And as we take our seats, will you please turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 26. Genesis, chapter 26. And as we read clusters of verses, it is a large passage, there's a, there's a lot that we're going to be reading today. Uh, we will take them in clusters of verses. Let us just see what are the lessons that we learn from the life of a character called Isaac. Now, and I shall be using the New Living Translation as I read out these verses. Now, when we talk of the patriarchs of the, in, the, in the Bible, we talk of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But somehow, Isaac does not seem to get the kind of recognition that his father got, or the kind of recognition that his son got. He seems to be somewhere sandwiched in between two giants. There are many chapters written about Abraham. There's a lot that we know about Abraham. There are many more chapters written about Jacob and his 12 children and the tribes and everything that they did and how Jacob's name was changed to Israel. One person was called the father of Israel. The other person was named as Israel. So there are many chapters that have been written for these two giants in the Bible. But somewhere in the middle of these two people is one man who is also a patriarch. But there's only one chapter which is dedicated to Isaac. Out of the 1,189 chapters in the Bible, only Genesis chapter 26 is focused on Isaac. From the beginning to the end, it's all about Isaac. Isaac does come in other chapters, there's no doubt about that. But he's not the focus in any of those chapters. It's either in association with Abraham, or in association with Jacob. Or in association with Ishmael, that Isaac is mentioned. But chapter 26 is all about Isaac. So let's get to chapter 26 and let's try to see what are the lessons we learn from Isaac. And therefore I've just titled this uh, short meditation as Lessons from Isaac. I'll start by reading verses 1 to 6. A severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. There are two lessons for us or two blessings that we can actually identify from these six verses. Number one is the blessing of place. And number two is the blessing of inheritance. If you read Genesis chapters 20 and 21, you will see that Gerar is the same place 
where Abraham and Sarah had settled down about a 90 years earlier. It was probably a temporary stop before moving on to Egypt. You see, now Isaac also, when he chose to move because there was famine in the place where he was living. And where was he living? He was living in a distant area, a place called Beer Lahai Roy. Okay, I'm not too good with that pronunciation. Beer Lahai Roy. But it's also called Kadesh Barnia. Now that's where Isaac was staying. And when this famine came into that land, he decided to move. And like his father Abraham, he decided that he was going to Egypt. And he had to pass through Gerar. And as he was passing through Gerar, God told him, stop. Don't go to Egypt. Stay in this place. This is a foreign land to you, but in this place I shall bless you. All the blessings that I had promised Abraham, your father, will be yours if you choose to stay here. And Isaac said yes, and he stayed over there. You see, from verse 3, we can clearly identify that God actually wanted to bless Isaac. There's no doubt about it. He mentions it. He says, I want to bless you. Okay, he clearly wants to bless Isaac. But the only criteria that Isaac had to follow was, would he obey God? God said, stay at Gerar. Isaac's plan, move to Egypt. Now, God was putting him to the test there. Do you want to go to Egypt? That's your plan. Or, are you going to stay in Gerar, which is the place where your father had trouble 90 years back? Because it was in that same place, Gerar, where Abraham and Sarah had problems with a person called Abimelech. And it's in that same place that now Isaac was going to stay. Now, Isaac might have been worried is this the place I should stay? Isn't this the place where my father had difficulty? Wouldn't it be better for me to go elsewhere? But he said, no. God says, stay, so I'm going to stay. And verse 6 simply tells us that Isaac stayed. Okay? Now, how does this translate for us? Now, I don't know what reasons you had for seeking a job in this land. Frankly, I don't know what famine you were facing before you came here. There might have been times of difficulty, financial, otherwise, which made you decide that this is the place you have to come to. Or maybe it was God who told you, go to Oman. And as we have often heard from many people who have stood and testified or spoken from the pulpit, Oman was an unknown name. Before I came to this place, I actually did not know Oman. When I had my telephonic interview, the address that I had prior to my telephonic interview was Rui. That was the postal address of my institute. And I kept telling the person at the other end of the line, I don't want to be in Rui. I want to be in Muscat. Because I managed to find from the map that the only place that I could identify, the only two places I could identify on the map were Muscat and Salala. Okay, and I came to the very clear conclusion, because I had lived in Saudi Arabia five years earlier, that if you have to have an Indian school where I could put my kids in, it better be in the capital. 
I had no clue whether Salala had a, a school or not. And they kept telling me, you're going to be in Ruwi, you're going to be in Ruwi. I said, no, if you're going to put me in Ruwi, I'm not coming. Then finally they said, what's the problem? I said, is there an Indian school in Ruwi? They said, no, there is no Indian school in Ruwi. But there's a school in Darset. I said, no, listen, why are you adding confusion to chaos? I have no clue what Darset is all about. I couldn't even pronounce that name. But then I came. You see, I don't know what, what reasons you had for coming over here. I don't know what kind of famine you might have been face, facing at that point. But what I can tell you is simply this. If you are here because God brought you here, you are blessed. That's straight. If God has said, this is the place you have to be for X period of time, it doesn't matter whether it's a short period of time or a long period of time. But if it was God's decree that you be here and you have obeyed the Lord and you are in this place, believe me, you are a blessed person. Isaac stayed in Gerar because God told him to do so. He obeyed the Lord. He was blessed. We'll see how he was blessed. But God said, if you stay here, I will bless you. If God has brought you to Oman, take it from me. You are blessed. You might not be seeing every part of it now, but certainly as days go by, you will see that you are one of the most blessed people on earth because you have obeyed the Lord. Okay, that is the blessing of place. You can choose to go wherever you want to go. But if that's not the place God wants you to be, that's not where you're going to be blessed. You are going to be blessed at the place God directs you to be. So there is a blessing in place, right? The second blessing is the blessing of inheritance. Some of you may be Abraham's. Some of you may be Isaac's. Now what's the difference? Now if you are Abraham, if you are an Abraham, you are indeed a chosen person of God. God looked for Abraham and chose him. And gave him instructions. So if you are an Abraham, you are indeed a chosen person of God. God has himself asked you to do certain things. God has directly spoken to you because God spoke to Abraham. God speaks to you if you are an Abraham. And he tells you to do certain things. And if you choose to obey all the commands, the decrees, the instructions of God, your children and your children's children will be blessed because of your obedience. So maybe you are an Abraham. Or maybe you are an Isaac. So what's an, who's an Isaac? An Isaac is one who is already the recipient of God's blessings. Why? Because you have a father called Abraham. The promise which God gave your father Abraham is yours. So maybe you are already receiving blessings, not because of what you have done, not because of any great uh, thing that you have done, but simply because you are in a family that has been obedient to God. Your dad might have been the Abraham. 
And that obedience of your father is bringing the blessings into your family and you are experiencing it. And as you continue experiencing it, as Isaac did, because he stayed in Gerar and obeyed the Lord, as you continue to experience the blessings of God, that blessing will now be channelized to your children and your children's children. So whether you are an Abraham or whether you are an Isaac, you can be guaranteed that generations that follow after you shall experience God's blessings. Now which parent does not want that? Every one of us here as parents, we want something better for our children than what we have ever had. If you aren't that kind of a parent, open Times of India, you'll read about Indrani Nur Mukherjee. You know who she is? She just, she murdered her 22-year-old daughter and she was planning to murder her son. She's currently uh, been arrested and put into jail. A mother murdering her daughter. A mother choosing to murder her son, Indrani Mukherjee. She is the wife of the ex-CEO of Star TV channel. Read the newspaper once in a while. You'll get this news. So, you might be an Abraham, you might be an Isaac. Either way, your families are guaranteed of God's blessings because of who you are. Now, let's move on. Verses 7 to 11. When the, man, when the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, She is my sister. He was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought, they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. But sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. Immediately, Abimelech called for Isaac and explained, she is obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me and get her from me, Isaac replied. How could you do this to us? Abimelech exclaimed. One of my people might easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us guilty of great sin. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. Isaac practiced at this point deception. But yet... His wife was not touched. His life was spared. His wife was safe. And therefore, he had the blessings of divine protection. Okay, he not only had the blessings of place and inheritance, but now he gets on to the blessing of divine protection. Now just consider Isaac. He used the same deception that his father used in the same place. In fact, Abraham practiced that same deception twice. Isaac did it only once. Isaac did it here. Okay, but if you go to Genesis chapter 20 and 21, you will see that I, uh, Abraham had the same reasons and excuses which he made to a similarly named person called Abimelech. Now, theologians have suggested that the word Abimelech, it can't obviously be the same person 
it could be a grandson. Because at that point of time, Philistines had the habit of naming their, uh, or, or a father, naming his first child with the name of his father. So the grandfather would have a name, the son would have a different name, the grandson would have the same name as the grandfather. Now a lot of our Keralites would easily recognize that, because you have Thomas Matthew and then comes Matthew Thomas and then comes Thomas Matthew again. Okay, it confuses the rest of us Indians. We have no clue who, which Thomas and which Matthew we are dealing with. But that's the way it is. Okay, so it might be the grandson, Abimelech. Okay, or Abimelech might be a title, just like Pharaoh of Egypt is a title. You have different people who come, but they have a title. So theologians have offered both these reasons as to why you have the same names. In fact, you have a couple of names which are very similar at that point of time. Okay, but Abraham did it in, in Genesis chapter 20, 21. He used the same excuse with Abimelech. And earlier to that, in Genesis chapter 12, you will see that Abraham did it when he went to Egypt. And his reasons were the same. She is my sister because uh, somebody is going to take, kill me and snatch her away from me if she happens to be my wife. Okay, now Isaac is doing the same thing. Now, how often do we think of Jacob... And then we say that, oh, Jacob is a deceiver. The minute you talk about Jacob, you think about Jacob is a deceiver. But where did Jacob get this character from? From his father, from his grandfather. It runs in the family. It was nothing new. It's not, it's not that Jacob alone is a deceiver. His father was a deceiver. His grandfather was a bigger deceiver. But all of these three people are the patriarchs of the Old Testament. Okay? So there was a definite weakness that ran in that family. Now just analyze this weakness of Isaac. Leave alone the fact that he was a de deceiver. Okay, let's not worry about that point. But just analyze this weakness. He was prepared to risk the life, or rather Rebekah's purity... For his personal protection. You see, as a wife, Rebecca was automatically untouchable as long as Jacob lived. She had an automatic protection that a wife gets when her husband is there. So, if Jacob had said, Rebecca is my wife, she is automatically protected because he is the husband. But what did he say? She is my sister. That actually takes away her protection. Because Abimelech, in both instances, whether it was with Abraham or with uh, Isaac, the Abimelech character says, what could have happened? Any one of my people could have come and taken away Rebecca and slept with her. And it was not wrong in those times to do that. But if she was your wife and we had slept with her, that is a big sin. But if she was just your sister and we slept with her, that's not a sin at all. So Isaac was prepared to risk Rebekah's purity for his personal protection. He was thinking more of himself, which is very much like all of us. We think of ourselves. 
Okay, I keep quoting this word selfie. Okay. Isaac was also a selfie. He thought of himself, my life. People may look at my wife and say she's beautiful, so the way to get her is to get rid of this guy. So they may knock me off, so I better preserve my life by saying that she's not my wife. It's okay if she sleeps with, if somebody takes her and sleeps with her. Okay, imagine this scenario. This was Isaac at that point of time. Okay? But despite this indiscretion on his part, despite this weakness that he very clearly exhibited here, and which is a familial weakness in that family, okay, you see that Isaac still received God's protection. What weakness is there in us today? Let's not talk about Isaac's weaknesses. What about you and me? What are the weaknesses that you and I carry? Isaac still received the blessing of divine protection because he was not touched, Rebekah was not touched, simply because he chose to obey God. He was so obedient to God that God gave an opportunity for Abimelech to see through the window that Isaac was romantically involved with his wife. And so, God made a way by which Isaac would be safe, Rebekah would be safe. So, despite this indiscretion that he had, Isaac still was the recipient of God's protection and blessing. He was exposed as a liar. But his obedience is what got him divine protection. Neither he, nor Rebekah, nor any of their possessions were touched. Because that was the instruction which Abimelech laid out. These people are not to be touched. What about you and me today? Do we have weaknesses that pop up once in a while? Of any kind? Characters that make life difficult for you and for your loved ones. What do we do about it? There is no recorded evidence that Isaac repeated the same deception again. Abraham did it twice. There is no, repeat, there is no recorded evidence that Isaac did the same thing again. God dealt with this and continued to bless, to continue to to bless him. Now you and I have weaknesses. All we need to do is turn it over to God. We are a weak people. We are a weak race. And we have failings. We fall down time and again. But it's up to us to decide. Let's just hand it over to God. Think of the weakness that you have. Don't think of the weakness that your neighbor has. Let your neighbor deal with, your, with his or her own weakness. Think of your own weakness. What are your failings? Where are those areas where you fall, you make mistakes? And tell God, I still need your divine protection. I still need you to keep me safe. You have brought me to a foreign land. Isaac was brought to a foreign land. 
And that's where he tried to deceive the people. You and I are in a foreign land now. We need God's protection upon us. We have been experiencing time and again, we have been experiencing God's protections in our, protection in our life. To continue experiencing that, we need to hand over to Him our weaknesses. Like a dog that goes back to its vomit, we shouldn't be going back to our weaknesses. Once we surrender it to God, we've got to make an effort to stay away from that weakness. I, I read somewhere that the the biggest, the biggest problem in cities, sorry, in towns, not in cities, in towns in India today is not poverty, is not lack of sanitation, is not lack of clothing, is not lack of food, is not lack of electricity or water. It is pornography brought through the internet. That is the biggest problem. And if you know of people who have been involved in pornography and have been trying to break away from it, they will tell you it's a very, very difficult thing. Like a dog going back to its vomit. Every time they put on the internet, there is always a figure that pops up. There is always something that catches your attention and then you are tracked. It's like a friend of mine who told me, he's a smoker. So he said, giving up smoking is not at all difficult. I give it up every night. It's the same with pornography. Giving up pornography is not at all difficult. You give it up every time you switch off the computer. But the time you switch it on, you're back to it. Isaac had weaknesses. He was exposed as a liar, but he still experienced God's blessings, divine protection, because he was obedient. And there is no recorded evidence that he went back and committed the same sin again. So you and I have a lesson there. What are our weaknesses? Identify them. Don't hide them. Don't push them under the carpet. Identify them. Surrender them to God. And don't go back to it again. You will continue to experience God's divine protection. Let's go to the next four verses, verses 12 to 15. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goat, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Now, what do these verses tell us? They describe the blessings of abundant harvest. Abundant harvest. In a strange land, in the midst of strange people, Isaac prospered. The Bible tells us that he became a very rich person. A man with a great deal of possessions that people around became jealous of him. He had that much of wealth. Verse 12 tells us that Isaac planted what he had and the Lord blessed him a hundredfold. 
Isaac did what he knew to do, but it was the Lord who multiplied his harvest. Isaac worked hard and the Lord blessed him. What kind of work do you and I do today? Do you and I do the best at our jobs, in our offices, and then wait for the Lord to bless us? A harvest does not come without sowing. And a harvest does not come the same day you sow the seed. You've got to sow and sow and sow. The reaping, the harvest comes way later. Sometimes, when I listen to different people, both from within the church, as well as in my office, when they tell me their woes and their sorrows, I am amazed at sometimes at their reasoning. They keep complaining of everyone in the office and around them. They complain of the policies of the land. They complain of the lack of an adequate salary. And the list goes on. Complain and complain and complain. And I see from people in my office, because I tell them that this is not right, what they are doing. They tell me, well, I'm not getting paid properly. So why do I have to do hard work? I'm being discriminated against. I'm getting more job than that guy. So why do I have to work hard? I'm just going to, I'm just going to do adequate work for my salary. Now, you see, the guy has himself decided what adequate work means for his salary. Okay? Though it is somebody else who is giving him the salary. See, what, do, what, what, what can you tell such people? What do you tell them? The only thing I can think about is Genesis 26. Look at Isaac. Isaac worked hard. He didn't complain. He was in a foreign land. He sold what he had. He worked hard. And he reaped a hundredfold. See, reaping a hundredfold, yes, is God's blessing. But unless you sow, you're not going to reap. By sitting and complaining... You're not going to reap. The seed is still in your hand. All you're doing is complaining and complaining and complaining and letting the seed go rotten. It's not, nothing is going to happen because of it. God's saying, I've put the seed in your hand. I've put the talents in you. Go use it. And work hard. Use it to the best of your ability. And when you do that, God multiplies. God gives you a harvest. You see, Isaac experienced the blessings of an abundant harvest in a strange land. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him or her, be ready for your blessings of an abundant harvest. Now I realize as I look around, that not everybody is saying that. And I can very well understand that thought also. Because it's much easier to turn to your neighbor and say, I am going to receive an abundant harvest. But it's not so easy to say, be the recipient of an abundant harvest. Because again, we are selfish people. But that's not going to do. So please, turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, receive your blessing of abundant harvest in Jesus' name.
Because the Bible also tells us that it's only after you give, you receive. So you pronounce blessings on your neighbor. God will pronounce blessings on you a hundredfold. Okay, it sounds nice now, isn't it? Okay. You pronounce your blessing and God is going to pronounce hundredfold blessing on you. So go out and keep blessing people. That's what you and I are called to do. Not to complain. Go and bless everyone. God is not a debtor. He will bless you. And there can be no better blesser than God. If he opens his hand, you won't have enough space to hold it. Let it come. But before that can happen, you need to give. You need to be a blesser. You need to sow your seed. And then you will reap a hundredfold. Let's go to the next couple of verses. 16 to 22. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said. For you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. See, these verses just describe the blessings without limitation. Okay, it's an open checkbook. Blessings without limitation. Abimelech forced Isaac to leave Gerar. It was not God who ordered Isaac to leave Gerar. Remember, it was God who asked Isaac to stay in Gerar. But now, Abimelech is forcing Isaac out. It was not Isaac's own wish to leave that place because he was obedient to God and he was being blessed in that place. So why should he leave? He was happy to be there. But his prosperity was bringing heartburn to other people. And we see that very often. Your own prosperity brings heartburn in people around you. People around you are jealous when they see you become prosperous. Okay. But we need to understand that our prosperity is not because of anything you and I have done. It is simply because God has chosen to honor you and me. We just need to say thank you Lord because if it was not for him, each, many of us would be in some despairing pit. But it's God and God alone who, who prospered Isaac over here, just like he has prospered us. Okay? So Isaac moved out of Gerar and moved to Gerar Valley, not too far from Gerar, and he set up his tents there. Now, as soon as he moved to Gerar Valley, one of the things he did was to open up the wells that his father Abraham had dug up. Now, digging a well has a couple of connotations to it. But one of the connotations of digging a well or opening up a well was indicative of claim on the land that was being supplied by that water. It's like a title deed. Nowadays, if you have a 
piece of land, you have a title deed with the measurements which tells you that you are the owner of that piece of land. But in those days where they didn't have title deeds, if you, had, if you dug a well in a particular area and the waters from that well was able to provide uh, nourishment, if you wish, to some distance on either side of the well, all of that area belonged to you. It was your claim to land. Okay, so Isaac was going and digging up wells and claiming the land. Because remember, God has said that he would give the land to Isaac and his descendants, to Abraham, to Isaac and their descendants. So it was not wrong for Isaac to now dig wells and claim that land. But obviously the people over there were totally dis, uh, dis uh, unhappy with this uh, situation. They were dissatisfied and they came and filled up the wells once again and said, no, you are not going to claim this land for yourself. They were really worried about this guy called Isaac. Okay? The Philistines, the people of that land, continued to try to cause problems for Isaac. They either closed up the wells or they claimed it for themselves and they said, no, this is for us and not for you. And so Isaac had to move from one, place, one well to another well and finally he moved to a place where no one disturbed him and he called that place Rehoboth. Okay? It meant that there was land for everyone to prosper. You see, and that's where Isaac had unlimited blessings. He had the land he had the wells, he had the sheep, he had the goats, he had the men servants, he had the women servants. He had everything that he could ever have at that point of time. And today, I pray that this land will be a Rehoboth to every one of us. It will be a land where every one of us can prosper. God brought us to this land. We might have had our own rethinking why we came here. But believe me, beyond all our thinking, God directed our paths. Maybe you have had to move from one well to another well. Because the people blocked up the wells. But there will be a well that is there once you reach that. And it is a place of blessing. Where you shall not be disturbed. And you shall have an, a blessing of unlimited potential. Okay, that's the blessing that Isaac got and that's the blessing that you and I can get. So if we summarize everything that we have seen till now, I'm still going to go for a couple more verses, but if we just summarize what we have seen till now, Genesis 26, you could put it this way. God promised blessings and prosperity to Isaac if he obeyed God and stayed in the land that God was showing him. So obedience is number one. Isaac obeyed and he lived from prosperity to prosperity, from blessing to blessing. There is nothing in chapter 26 to say that he was ever in poverty. It was before 26 that he, there was famine in the place where he was living, Kadesh Barnea, and then he moved here and God told him, you stay here, I will bless you. And from that time onwards, it's been blessing after blessing, prosperity after prosperity for Isaac. Yes, there were difficulties. It's not that everything was smooth sailing. Isaac, living in an alien land was not completely smooth sailing for Isaac. But the blessings and the prosperity only kept increasing. God's divine protection was upon him. But there was also a blessing of abundant harvest. 
there was a blessing of unlimited potential which Isaac was reaping in that land. The key to all of this, the key lesson that we get from all of this is Isaac obeyed. Time and again, the only thing you and I need to do to get on the good side of God is obey. That's a very difficult thing for us. If I address the children here, how many times did you disobey your parents today? If I address the elders here, the elder people, not just the elders of the church, but the elder people, how often do we practice disobedience? Disobedience runs in our blood, along with every red blood cell, white blood cell and platelet that goes in the blood, we have a cell for disobedience. Obedience seems to be the problem, but obedience is what brings you and me blessings. Isaac was blessed. One chapter for Isaac and the whole chapter is all about Isaac's obedience. So we come to the last three verses for this evening. We'll stop with verse 25. I'm not going beyond that. There's much more beyond 25, but we'll stop with 25. 23 to 25. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. You see, despite all the blessings that Isaac had in Gerar and Gerar Valley, he made one final momentous decision, which actually shows how close he had come to God through this chapter and how he finally understood God. You see, he left Gerar Valley and moved to Beersheba. Why? He was being blessed in Gerar Valley. Why did he chose, choose to go to Beersheba? If you go back in history of Isaac, Beersheba was the first place Abraham and Isaac had come to after the sacrifice episode at Mount Moriah. They had gone up Mount Moriah for Isaac to be sacrificed. God provided the substitute ram. And then Abraham and Isaac descended the hill and the first place they came to and erected an altar was Beersheba. It is to that same place where now Isaac goes to. Okay, he goes there and as soon as he reaches that place, God speaks to him. Because God tells him, Do not be afraid, for I am with you and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Now this is the same promise God gave Abraham. The same words which were used to Abraham have now been given to Isaac. And then comes the momentous decision which Isaac made 
which we need to now catch hold of. Because if there's anything else that we need to remember from today, it is verse 25. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. Till this point of time, Isaac was always busy putting up his tent and digging wells. From verse 1 to verse 24, it was all about putting up tents, digging wells. Putting up tents, digging wells. But in verse 25, Isaac reversed the order. The first thing he did was he built an altar. Then he set up his camp or put up his tent. And then he dug his wells. Now what does this mean? Isaac first built an altar. That means he first he put God first. It was at this point, this is why I said it was after his experiences of over the 24 verses that we see that Isaac actually moved closer to God and began to understand him. Even without knowing God too well, even without understanding God too well, Isaac has been blessed tremendously. Why? Obedience. Now we don't need to do a PhD on God. We don't need to know God to his, to his infinite degree. All we need to know is we need to obey Him. Because more important than us going and finding out every little intricate detail of God is to remember the fact that God knows every intricate detail of you and me. He is prepared to bless, just as he blessed, blessed Abraham, uh, Isaac. But the only thing he says is obedience. If you get that, that's the key. And once Isaac understood that, the next thing he did, verse 25, he first erected an altar. How many of us have got altars at home? Every day we get up and rush to office. Every day we are in a hurry to send off our children from 6 o'clock in the morning. Get them into some taxi or into some bus or whatever. Do we have an altar for God? Isaac built an altar. And then he pitched his tent. He then took time and an effort into building his home. God first. His home next. Finally, he dug another well. This dealt, this dealt with material possessions and what he did for a living. In other words, he was now claiming ground because he had work to do. In a worldly sense, our priorities are entirely different. We first secure our jobs, we build our careers. For years together, we are busy running around building our careers. And at some point, we decide that we need to build a home. So we start building up our homes. And it is only when we come close to retirement, or when we start getting diabetes and hypertension and uh, 
liver problem and kidney problem and arthritis and uh, I don't know what else. Then we remember, oh, there is a God who heals. Now we build our altar. Okay. You have spent 45 years, 40 years building a career. And then you spent another 10 years building up your family. Because in the early days of your career building, your children have not seen you. So you didn't build your family then. You're busy building up your career. All that your career gives you is a monthly salary. Which if you really look at it, is never sufficient. I always run out of money at the end of the month. I'm not asking you to give me, but I'm just mentioning it. Okay. I've been on my job 35 years. And then I come to realize all the stress that I have. When I came here 15 years back, I had a lot of hair. Okay, I know that I've got a few more years before I retire. By that time, I will be totally bald. Okay, at least there's one thing that I've contributed to the soil of Oman and that is my hair. Okay. Stress. Because we spend time on our careers. While the Bible tells us through the life of Isaac, put God first. Build your altar first. Build your home next. Then dig your wells. That's the priority that we need to have. That's the sequence we need to follow in life. We do it the other way around. We secure our jobs. Go through years and years of career building. Then we think of our family. And at some point, usually when we start becoming sick, or at a time when our children become teenagers, we turn to God. Those of you who have got teenagers as children will, will recognize. Or when it's time to send our, college, uh, our children to college, and you suddenly realize that scholarships are very important. Okay, that's when we start building up our altars. Okay, but we need to change our priorities. Because what we are doing is wrong. In most instances. In most instances. We need to, be, to recognize that to be blessed as Isaac was blessed, we need to follow Isaac's sequence. God first, home next, job last. This is the sequence. He recognized it towards the end. Yes, he also went through our sequence of life where he was first chasing his job, digging wells, pitching his tents. But then, when he came to Beersheba is when he realized that things need to be turned around a little bit. And you see, this is exactly the same thing that Jesus Christ told us in Matthew 6, verse 33. All of us know that verse. But let me just repeat it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. I'm using New Living Translation. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. If that is not the same thing of, as what Isaac is doing now, somebody's got to teach me what my understanding is. Seek first the kingdom of God. Live righteously. That's build your home. Set an example to those in your home. Live righteously. And all these things will be added unto you. Everything that you desire, everything that you want will be added unto you. In fact, you know, today, uh, a lot of my colleagues were quite happy. You know why? 
Because government of India has declared that you can now take a 40-inch TV free. No customs. Okay, till last year it was 32-inch TV. Okay, now people don't want 32-inch TV because 32-inch TV is freely available in India. Okay, so you need, we need to act a little bigger than those in India, right? So we take 40-inch TV. So that's the declaration. So if you don't know that, please get ready with your 40-inch TVs. Okay, next holiday you can carry one. Brothers and sisters, it's now time to talk to God. What are your priorities? All the blessings that God has promised for you are for your taking. If you only choose to obey Him, build your altars. Parents, let's teach our children that. Let them see that at home. How important is the altar? Okay, that is crucial because Isaac did it and Isaac has shown us that. What are your priorities? What are the blessings you are looking for? Time and again, we talk about being blessed by God and we look forward to blessings. But every blessing comes with a criteria and that criteria is obedience. 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 Talk to God. Let's just take, take some time. Just reflect on your own lives. I was reflecting on my life as I was putting this together. Because it spoke to me. What are my priorities? Because when I look on my life, I know my priorities have been wrong till now. It's always been career first. I've got to reverse the order. What about you? Look on your own life. Look at what Isaac did. Put God first. Build your altar. Talk to God. Do you need to ask God to help you to build that altar? What do you need to tell God? I'm not going to be calling anyone forward this evening. But I'm going to give you time to reflect on your own lives. Think of where can you make change, where you can make changes in your own life. Where do you need to reprioritize situations in your life? Are you in the right place? Because if you are in the right place, you have a blessing of place. Choose today whether you are an Abraham or an Isaac. Have you already got blessings being poured out because of your parents? Thank God for them. Continue to obey God. Because those blessings need to go down to your children and your children's children. Are you an Abraham? Is God telling you to do something? 
Is God telling you, you are my child, and out of you I am going to make a nation? Just trust God. Just obey Him. Abraham was a blessed man. Rich beyond imagination. Isaac was rich beyond imagination. Jacob was rich beyond imagination. They all made mistakes. We all make mistakes. No doubt about it. They had limitations. We have limitations. But the one character they had, they loved God, they obeyed God. And at some point in their life, they realized the importance of the altar. Your abundant blessing is there. Your limitless blessing is there. Don't worry about people around you. If God has kept you in that place, nothing is going to take it away. That blessing which God has decreed for you is yours. Just talk to God. If you have to make a course correction in your life, make it. It's never too late. Isaac made the course correction towards the end of that chapter. It's never too late to make a course correction. But after knowing the truth, not making a correction is a mistake. Now, if God has ministered to you this evening and you wish to make a course correction in the priorities of your life, if you wish to make a course correction, I ask you to stand where you are and we shall pray together. I am already on my feet because I know that I have to make course corrections. From the time... I started writing this, I knew that there were course corrections that I had to do. And I know what are the blessings that God has for me. I am not going to lose it because of my stubbornness. I will make my course corrections. You decide if you have to make course corrections. Don't stand because your neighbor is standing. Stand only if you decide that you have to reprioritize things in your life. Father God, right now I thank you, Lord Father, for every one of us, Lord Father, here. Father God, we have made mistakes. Small and big. Time and again we have committed errors, Lord Father. But Father God, we are grateful that you have continued to bless us, Lord. You have continued to shower every good thing on our, onto our life, Lord Father. And for that, Lord, we are grateful. Father God, where we have gone wrong, Lord Father, help us to correct, Lord Father. Help us to recognize our mistakes, Lord. Help us to recognize those areas where we aren't doing what we should be doing. Father God, I pray, Lord, that in every aspect of life, we will put you first. From the morning till the evening and through the night. 
you will be first in our life. Father God, I pray, Lord, that even as we seek you and your kingdom, and we live a life that is right in your sight, it is you who is going to bless us with everything that we need, Lord Father. And we are grateful, Lord Father. Father God, some of us are old as we get this realization, Lord Father. But it is never too late to talk to you, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord Father. I thank you, Father, for every person, every brother, every sister who is standing here, Lord. They each is speaking to you, Lord Father. You know the thoughts of their hearts, Lord Father. You hear their voices, Lord Father. Honor their faith this day, Lord Father. I just commit them into your hands. I thank you, I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take our seats, please. I, I am going to continue praying for those who are still asking, am I in the right place? Have, have I come to the right place? Or is this a mistake? If you are such a person who thinks that I don't know whether this is my place, we're going to ask that God will reveal to you the place where you need to be. If you have still doubts as to whether this is the place you need to be, I ask you to stand. If you think you're not sure, did I make a mistake coming to this place? Is this the place God wants me to be? Because where God wants you to be is a place of blessing. If you are sure you know that this is the place where God wants you to be, that's fine. Please sit down. Appreciate the fact that you are in the right place. And you are a recipient of God's blessing. If you are not too sure, just stand. I've had doubts. I've made mistakes when I went to another country before coming to Oman. I went out of my obstinacy because I decided to go there. I lived there for 13 months and I knew God protected me there. He kept me safe. But it was not the blessed time of my life. I came here, I've been blessed immeasurably. So I know that this is my place of blessing. That wasn't my place of blessing. I did not die there. God kept me safe. So God has a place of blessing for each one of us. Father, I pray, Lord, that every one of us will appreciate that you have brought us into a place where you want to bless us. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you help us to recognize that the place where you have kept us is where you want to bless us, Lord Father. Thank you, Father, for being with us. Thank you, Father, for showing us the place we need to stay. Thank you for this land where you have placed us. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to pray for those who have one form of illness or the other. Or you are praying for somebody else who has an, an illness. Because if you go through chapter 26 of Genesis, there is no record of Isaac falling ill. He was well throughout. From the beginning till the end, you will see that he was fine. 
His family was fine. There is no record of them or their sheep or the cows or the men servants or the maid servants falling ill. Sickness was not their portion. As Sister Teresa mentioned while testifying, sickness is not her portion. So today, if there is any one of you here who has one form of illness or the other, that you know you should not be having, just stand up and we'll pray together. Or maybe you want to stand on behalf of somebody else. Someone back home that you want to pray for. Father God, I just want to say thank you, Lord Father, for you are a person, you are a God who's created us, Lord Father. Every cell you have created perfectly, Lord Father. Father God, I ask, Lord Father, that you restore to us, Lord Father, perfect and complete healing in our bodies, Lord Father. We, I ask, Lord Father, that for all of us who are standing here, Lord Father, either on, for our own selves or on behalf of others, Lord Father, loved ones back home, Lord, that you will touch, you will heal, Lord Father. It doesn't matter, Lord Father, what names the doctors have given, Lord Father. It might be kidney failure, it might be diabetes, it might be cancer, it might be paralysis, it might be anything, Lord Father. There may even be words which we can't even pronounce, Lord Father. But Father God, we say, we don't want to talk about any one of those. We want to talk of your healing in our life, Lord Father. Father God, we receive your healing, Lord Father. We receive your healing for others, Lord Father. We channelize your healing, Lord Father, that it shall touch everyone, Lord Father. Where we need to change ourselves, Lord Father, our habits, our bad lifestyle, give us that understanding, Lord Father. But make us stand tall and healthy in this land, Lord Father. That even as we serve you, Lord Father, even as we build our homes, Lord Father, even as we do our jobs, Lord Father, we shall be fine and well, Lord. We thank you, Lord Father, every person standing here, Lord. We join our faith together, Lord. And I ask, Lord Father God, that you honor our faith this day, Lord. I give glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take our seats. Our final prayer is going to be for our job situations. Isaac had a job. He sowed the seed and he reaped a harvest. All of us have some issues at work or the other. We need to stand. Because we are going to pray for our jobs. That's the talent God has put into us. We are going to declare that we will work to the best of our ability. That's the seed we are sowing into our jobs. And we will be honored in our jobs. We will be promoted in our jobs. Every due that is due unto us shall come our way. There shall be no Philistine who is going to block it irrespective of all the jealousies that are around. So if we have any job-related issues, let's stand. Father, I pray for all those who have got one job-related issue or the other, Lord. Be it oppression, be it lack of opportunities, be it lack of promotion, Lord Father, be it an inadequate salary, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will set everything right, Lord Father, in our lives. But even as we ask for that, Lord Father, we declare, Lord Father, that we shall work hard. 
We shall work honestly, Lord Father. We shall work as your children, Lord Father. We shall not look for favor with any man, Lord Father. But we shall do that which is entrusted unto us to the best of our abilities, Lord Father. Father God, we will prove that we are hard-working people, Lord Father. That there shall be no reason for man to deny us what we deserve, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that every one of us who declares this day that we shall work to the best of our abilities shall indeed do so, Lord Father. Thank you, Father God. And we thank you, Lord Father, that you are going to answer our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take our seats. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this time, for being with every one of us, for ministering unto us, Lord. Pray, Lord, that you will continue to speak to us, continue to build us up into the kind of people you want us to be. Help us to put you first at all times, Lord Father. Help us, Lord Father, to build up our own homes, the spouses you have given us, the children you have given us, Lord. And then, Father God, I pray, Lord, that we will truly be honest people in our jobs. We give all glory to you. Help us to be your obedient children, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let us stand up for a benediction. How many of you believe that God has been speaking to us in this evening? If you believe it in your heart, give a clap offering to our Lord as a thanksgiving. Truly, if you believe that God has been speaking to you, yes, this is the time to thank Him by expressing our thanks and from our heart, thanking Him. Secondly, if you are blessed by God's word, now you give your love offering unto the Lord, because you are blessed. And when you are offering unto the Lord, it is an acknowledgement that you are receiving it. And saying that, yes Lord, indeed, I, I am blessed. As you greet others and your neighbor, today you are acknowledged. Now, you are acknowledging that you are blessed. And you receive the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us thank him once more. Dear Father, once again we thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant whom you used. Lord, thank you that you have blessed us. Lord, our hearts are filled with love and gratitude unto you. We give all glory, all honor, all praises unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let us share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Abundance, grace, go in the peace of God.